sorry. This morning, our scripture lesson comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And if you have been here the past couple weeks, you know I was telling you how great the lectionary is. And then this week, I was um, sleeping, as one does sometimes. And I kept having this dream about preaching this scripture, which is not following the lectionary at all, and I couldn't sleep because I kept dreaming about this scripture, and finally I was like, fine, Jesus, I will preach this this week. Please let me sleep. So I'm off lectionary just to let you know if you were looking at it and you're like, that's not what that said. You're right. It's not. I'm sorry. But our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And Luke says, an expert on the law stood up to put Jesus to the test and said, teacher, what must I do to inherit everlasting life? And Jesus answered, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the expert replied, you must love the most high God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But the expert on the law, seeking self-justification, pressed Jesus further and asked, Just who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, There was a traveler going down from Jerusalem to Jericho who fell prey to robbers. The traveler was beaten, stripped naked, and left half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and the priest saw the traveler laying beside the road, but passed on to the other side. Likewise, there was a Levite who came to the same way. This one, too, saw this afflicted traveler and passed by to the other side. But a Samaritan, who was taking the same road, also came upon the traveler, and filled with compassion, approached the traveler and dressed their wounds pouring oil and wine. Then the Samaritan, put the, wound, the Samaritan put the wounded person on a donkey, went straight to an inn, and there took care of the injured one. The next day, the Samaritan took out two silver pieces and gave them to the innkeeper with the request, look after this person. If there is any further expense, I'll repay you on the way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was the neighbor to the traveler who fell with the robbers, asked Jesus. The answer came, the one who showed compassion. And Jesus replied, then go and do the same. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. Amen. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. In today's scripture, we find Jesus gets approached by this lawyer. And this lawyer isn't a lawyer in the way we understand modern lawyers to be. In Jesus' time, a lawyer is probably someone who is an educated clergy person. They're righteous men of God. They do a lot of 
working with the law, just like our lawyers do, but they work with religious law specifically. And this lawyer, this man, asked Jesus, who is it that will inherit eternal life? And Jesus, in traditional Jesus fashion, doesn't answer his question at all. He's very frustrating, and instead he turns it around and he asks this man, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer gives Jesus the perfect textbook answer. It's so good. He tells Jesus to have eternal life, you must love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul with all of your strength. And you have to love your neighbor like you love yourself. And Jesus tells him, great, good, you've got it, that is the perfect answer. Do that and you will have eternal life. And so then the lawyer asks for some clarification on who a neighbor is. Who is my neighbor? It's a simple enough question, at least so it seems, until we start thinking about it. And we realize neighbors sometimes are a little bit conditional. Replying to him, Jesus tells this lawyer the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's what this scripture is often referred to as. And it's a story some of us might have heard before because it's a really popular one in Christian settings. We often think this story is telling us that we need to care for the poor, for the downtrodden, for the broken, to the, for those who the world overlooks easily. Sermons on this passion's passage are often just about how, as Christians, we need to be as good as the Good Samaritan is. And that's right. All of those things are true. They're not wrong. But I don't think that's the only thing this story is telling us. And when we really start listening to it, I think we dive deeper into what it is Jesus is asking us and this lawyer to do. The lawyer in this story, as I said, is a really good man. He's righteous, he's an educated clergy person, he knows God's law very well. He knows all of the technical aspects of being Christ-like. He knows the way to heaven is through loving the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and loving your neighbor. He's got the formula down. He knows the correct answer to Jesus' parable that the neighbor in the story is the one who shows mercy. For all intensive purposes, he aced the test. But the problem is, that's not the test at all. Just having the right answers doesn't mean he gets it right. So Jesus tells this man, yes, you're right. Now go and do likewise. Because mercy isn't something we can just know. It's not something we can just articulate. It's not just the right answer. Mercy has to be an active verb. It has to be more than a concept, more than something we state out loud, more than something we memorize. Mercy has to be done. In the story of the Good Samaritan, a man is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's attacked by robbers. Robbers who strip him of his clothing and beat him and leave him to die. And then we hear a priest is coming, and we think, great, priests are the best. 
And then we hear that the priest walks to the other side of the road to dodge this man. This priest who is meant to be a good person, a righteous person, who knows all the right answers, who could answer Jesus' questions correctly, he should know what it is to be a good neighbor. He should know what mercy is. And instead of walking towards the man, he walks away from him. He doesn't just walk away, he actually jumps to the other side of the street, right? He runs to the, as far away as he can get to pretend that he never saw what happened. He actively avoids the hurting in front of him. He actively avoids the task of doing mercy. And the next a Levite man comes down the road and Levites are assistants to the priest. He's like an associate pastor, kind of. And this man surely is a good man, right? He's a righteous man too. He knows all the right answers too. He understands what it is to be a good neighbor and to show mercy too. And he too dodges this hurting man, runs to the other side of the room, of the road, runs away from doing mercy. He wants to avoid the hurting in front of him, to avoid having to be too close to someone in need. Both these men know the definition of what it is to be merciful. They know a God who is merciful, but they don't do mercy. They forget that it's a verb. And I find myself wondering, why do these men who know the right answers, who are righteous, who are upstanding in their communities, why do they think they're important enough to be exempt? from doing mercy? Why do they think when they're not in the temple, it's okay to walk to the other side of the road? We will work with each other. We will work side by side. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. And we'll guard human dignity and save human pride. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. How many times have you heard this story? Maybe not just the biblical one, but in your own life. How many times have you thought, man, I wouldn't have done that to that person when you watched the news or you heard a friend tell a story about something they did? Have you thought, I know what mercy is, and I, I know I'd be kinder. I'd be better in that moment. I know I'm called to help others. I know I'm supposed to be like the Good Samaritan. I know I'm called not only to bandage the wounds of someone in need, but to go above and beyond. To put them on my donkey and take them to an inn and care for them. To pay for their expenses when they don't have the money to do it. That's what the Good Samaritan did. That's what I should do. That's what we should do as a community. We know what mercy looks like, friends. We know that we should do it. And we fail at it all the time. Sometimes not even realizing it. I fail at it constantly. And so often when I'm wearing this collar, 
that lets people know Jesus is my favorite person. I walk past people in need. I sprint to the other side of the road because it makes me really uncomfortable. I'm not merciful sometimes to my friends or to my family or to people who think differently than me and are suffering because I think, well, you're a terrible person. Maybe you had it coming. I'm not merciful towards children shouting in doctor's offices or towards that person who has two full carts of items and still insists on using the self-checkout at Target. (laughs) I am not always merciful. And I catch myself after the fact all the time and think, oh gosh, why wasn't I better? And then it happens again and I think, oh gosh, I learned nothing from that other time. I know what mercy is, but I struggle with the verb. I struggle with doing it. As a church, we often are so good at knowing what mercy is and having the best example of it and struggling with doing it. How many times have you failed to do it? You don't have to call out the answer. You don't have to tell anybody else. But seriously, how many times have you failed at it? Who do you struggle to be merciful towards? Maybe it's your sibling, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's somebody who thinks very difficult than, very differently than you politically or socially, maybe it's people who hurt you, maybe it's somebody that you just think is super weird and gives you creepy vibes. Maybe it's just someone that's difficult, that's difficult to love well. As Christians, we're called to do more than know. We're called just to do. We aren't supposed to just memorize scriptures like this one. We're supposed to apply them. We're called to the action of mercy, to living radically, to helping people, to offer mercy when we lack understanding or find another person virtually unlovable, to look anyway when we find someone wounded and open in front of us. All praise to the mother from whom all things come and all praise to Christ Jesus, the only Son and all praise to the Spirit who makes us one And we know we are Christians by God's love, by God's love. Yes, we know we are Christians by God's love. Mercy is an action, an action of radical love, an action which we only know because we've seen it modeled for us throughout the life of Christ. In fact, we're only able to offer the gift of mercy to others because Christ gave it to us. Because Christ is merciful towards us every day over and over again. We only know how to do and to love our neighbors well because we've seen it done so well and done for us. Because of the actions of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives and the world around us. So yes, friends, this story is calling us to help those in need. 
We praise the role model that is the Good Samaritan, and this is just a person doing what they should be doing, right? This isn't somebody who's done anything extraordinary. This isn't a miracle. This isn't Jesus turning water into wine. This is just a man who didn't cross the street, who decided, yeah, I'm going to help this person rather than leave them here. This shouldn't be so amazing. This should be the standard. That is what this story is telling us that we're called into doing. We're called by Christ who has shown us mercy to go and do likewise. So that mercy isn't just a concept. So it's not something we preach about in these walls and forget as soon as we walk out of them. It's not just a lesson trapped in biblical stories. It's something that we need to act on. It needs to step outside of the church with us, to move with us, to be executed by our hands and feet every day. Mercy is an action. It's a verb by which people know we are Christians. Because when we do mercy, we become more like Jesus. We become like the person in this story. Somebody who doesn't just know the right answers, but who does the right answers. We reflect Christ, and how crazy beautiful is that? That we are people who've been offered mercy and love and been allowed to be Christ's neighbor, which we're wholly unworthy of. And then, beyond getting all of that, we get to participate in it. We have the opportunity every day to reflect back the mercy of Christ to other people. And y'all, that is a gift. That is an amazing thing to get to do. To know that mercy is who Jesus is at his core in every moment. And we can be that too. Maybe not as good as it, at it at Je- as Jesus is, but we can try. And then we can try again and again, and maybe one day be halfway decent. As a church, we can keep trying. I think this church community is so good at being merciful. It's so good at realizing the people who are in need and not running away from them. And y'all, we can always be better. I want to hold those two things in tension with each other. That this is a good community who does mercy really, really well, and we can keep doing better. Because God keeps calling us into new things, just like Andrea was talking about this morning. We're in a season of discernment and of new life, and what does mercy look like right now? We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. 
Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love.